This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Football fans, welcome back to another episode of the Underdog Podcast where we talk G5 football and only G5 football for Underdog Dynasty. And this is, once again, Joe Talk. That's me, Joe Serpico. And on the other side of the mic is my good friend, Joe Broback. What's up, bro? I'm back in my original role. I'll tell you what, you crushed it that last episode with that intro. I tried my best. Yeah, you really did crush it. I give you mad props for that intro. That's fun. That's fun stuff. Yeah, it has its moments. All right, but the point of this show is, as you're most likely aware, the NFL draft took place this past weekend. And in our last episode, we kind of gave you a preview of not just the American, but we were joined by our buddies, Joe and Eric, for the Conference USA side. And they are actually also recording tonight, so make sure you listen to their recap of what happened with Conference USA and the Sun Belt in the draft as well. But we're here basically to uh, praise Ed Oliver for the next two hours, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess me and you, we can do that every episode, but... <laughs> we can let's do like, it until he dies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, we're still going to talk about him even though he's in the NFL now. I'm sure exactly. that's going to be happening often, but... I guess really no surprise to us that he went in the top 10. I was really, really hoping he would go top five. But going number nine to the Bills seems like a perfect fit, other than the fact that I think uh, Oliver, uh, there was a lot of talk last year about him wanting to wear a jacket. He's going to need to wear a couple jackets up there in Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah, he's. Uh, I, I saw a few jokes about that on Twitter. It was you know, it was funny. People poking fun at that, and I think it's that's just what it is. is a joke, and no one's actually concerned about it. Oh, no, there's no arguments with there. Uh, Oliver, I think that was definitely blown out of proportion. So, yeah, the jokes were definitely going to come, considering how cold it is up there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I said, I mean, I don't know if you agree with me, but it almost seems like a perfect fit. You know, the, the Bills have been one of those teams that they haven't done much, if anything, in the past 20 years, let's be honest. But they do always seem to have a pretty solid interior defensive line, and I think they expect Ed Oliver to be the next in line there. I feel like I pick their defense every year in fantasy, and they're good for like one or two weeks where I get 20 points out of them, and I feel really good. So now I feel like I have to take him just because he's on the team. Like I feel like a couple years ago when they just signed Mario Williams, it was the same thing. You're right about that. Right. But then, you know, they also have the weeks where they give up 40 points to the other team and you get, like, negative three points. But Well, that's what happens when you're in the same division as the Patriots. Risk reward, you know? That's what you get with fantasy. That's the the good and and the bad with fantasy. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, bring it back to to Oliver. Um, Like I said, perfect situation for him. The top ten pick, like you and I, we projected for – Two and a half years now. 
And now we just wait and see if he's really proves to be because I honestly thought that, you know, there was some chatter of him maybe going number three to the Jets or four to the Raiders. And as it got closer and closer, I did think that that was going to happen. You know what's funny about the draft is we were I was watching it and the first three picks it was like okay this is kind of like predictable I think everybody mm-hmm. thought that and then the Raiders picked uh, Cleveland Farrell and I was like okay that's that's kind of weird but not, it's not like a it wasn't a you know a, a third round grade getting picked at number four you know mm-hmm. he was just a late first round versus the early first round and then the Giants go with Daniel Jones. Yep, I literally went, hey, hold my beer real quick. Like, yeah, I, I think everybody is kind of scratching their heads about that pick, considering you know, Haskins was still there, and you let Haskins go into division also. And then... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, so... I mean, me personally, as an Eagles fan, I love that there's two rookie quarterbacks in this. One I don't think is any good. I do like Haskins a lot, though. Gonna have to admit that I, I was big on Haskins coming out of this draft. I'm just, it just, I don't know. Okay, so you like, if you ever watch film, I feel like you That's, have a general, not as much as you. Well, I feel like if you have a general, a general sense of like what you're looking for and what's good and what's not good. I mean, obviously people are better and people are worse, but if you have a general idea, which I would hope that the Giants have a general idea, I just am curious what they what they saw in Daniel Jones versus Dwayne Haskins, because obviously they watched the tape on both of them and David Cutcliffe. That's what they saw. I just, yeah. I mean, obviously we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Daniel Jones turns out into a, you know, a great player, but as of right now, I'm just confused. The other thing though, is that I don't like is, I'm not necessarily bashing Daniel Jones as a person, which a lot of people are, and I think that kind of sucks because, like, he didn't do anything wrong. He just entered the draft, and then the Giants picked him. But a lot of people are, like, cursing at him and calling him out. It's like, he didn't do anything. He just entered his name in the draft. Oh, well, if anything, he could thank Temple for being the the number five or six pick, whatever he went there. I know, yeah. Because that bowl game, they, he lit them up. Yeah. But I guess that, that's almost kind of a perfect segue into the uh, the next player that got drafted, that being Temple's Rocky Sin, because he didn't play in that game. So maybe maybe if you got the guy that goes number 34 overall in the draft to the Colts, playing in that Daniel Jones is not looking like, uh, I mean, Christ, he looked, he looked like Eli or Peyton Manning out there that game <laughs> against Temple in the bowl game. That was miserable to watch. But, yeah, I guess that's uh, – what do you think of Rocky Sin going to the Colts? I, I think, again, that's a, a perfect move. The Colts really needed some help in the secondary. Uh, I I honestly projected that uh, Rocky Sin would be in the late first round, but, I mean, he went the second pick in the second round. Fills a need for the Colts. In my eyes, perfect move. I'm gonna, probably going to say that about a lot of these guys we're about to talk about, but the first two I, I really like a lot. It's it's kind of funny that we're a little biased because we talk about all besides Ed Oliver for the most part no one really talks about any of these guys that got drafted except for you know, people who cover the conference like yourself and me. But whenever NFL draft comes around, you start to see the hype build and build. Even with Ed Oliver, you saw even last year people weren't really paying attention to him at least, you know, national media and people who are really into doing mock drafts and whatnot but the interest with them 
gains more and more. And it's funny because they present their information to their followers like, hey, I never knew this, but Ed Oliver, blah, 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 or Daryl Henderson, blah, blah, blah. So it's it's really cool to see stuff that we already know get projected to a bigger, a bigger, I guess, a wider range of viewers. I mean, Yasin's a perfect example. I mean, I don't think anybody knew that he didn't play at Temple for four years unless you really followed the program. Right, because he played like one year, right? He, he just only, played it. Yeah, his senior year he came in, and the only reason he came, was able to even come in is because Presbyterian, his original school that he was going to, they dropped down a level, so that allowed him to maintain his eligibility to play one more year at F- FBS level. Yeah, and he killed it. And he killed it. I mean, he did everything you asked for from a. Um, I don't know. He's not even technically considered a graduate transfer, but a transfer, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came in, filled a filled a huge hole for for Temple, honestly, because uh, after um, uh, Mike Jones, another transfer last year, after he left for the NFL as well, and then the year before that, it was Nate Harrison, who, believe it or not, also with the Colts. So he's got a uh, a Temple cornerback with him in Indianapolis as well. But again, these are all guys. I mean, they're not big names. And then I thought that the cool stat that I saw that uh, Temple is the only G5 school in the country to have multiple players drafted in the past four years. They're one of 16 teams, right? Uh, no. So originally somebody put it out 16 and then they corrected it. It's 21. Oh, but still, still I, that's still that's impressive. Still, that's still, yeah, really impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. And you're still the only G5 program. So, I mean, shout out to my alma mater. I love to see that. Did he? And did Rocky Singh go before Greedy Williams? Yes, he did. If I if I remember correctly, um, Yasin was the third selected behind. Oh my God, who? Uh, DeAndre Baker and who was the guy that went right ahead of him? I can't remember. But there was another quarterback selected, literally the pick ahead. I can't remember exactly which one it was. Let's go ahead. look. Let's look, you know, because we should know this off the top of our heads. Not. Who went? Who was that other running back? Was it the Washington one? Might have been a Byron Murphy. Byron actually. Murphy? For, yeah, did he go, yeah, he went the first. Uh, hold on. He was the, oh, he was the first one? No, uh, DeAndre Baker was first with the Giants at 30. Uh-huh. And let's see, round two. Should have been the first pick was a Byron, corner. If yeah, I'm Byron not. Murphy. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. So then, and then you know, Rocky Sid's right behind it. And like I said, this guy played only one year FBS football, and showed that he. I mean, when I did the uh, draft profile on him, when you look at the kid, he fits the mold of your your typical NFL corner. All the size, the speed you look for, makes plays on the ball, and in a division like I said, he's going to have to go up against DeAndre Hopkins twice a year. So we're about to find out just how good he is. But he also gets, I guess, a little bit of a beneficiary because DeAndre Hopkins is really the only true stud in that division. Mm-hmm. I guess who else do they play this year? No, oh, yeah, I mean, but I, I generally was thinking, you know, just division-wise, like the Jaguars don't have a stud-wide receiver that I can think of, and the same with the Titans. Right. I know they drafted Corey Davis pretty high a couple of years ago, but he <laughs> hasn't he hasn't panned out just yet. Let's see. Week one, they play the Chargers. Keenan Allen. Ooh. Week three, they play. Oh, they play the Falcons. Yuck. Ooh, we're gonna find out real quick if this kid's any good. Yeah. Then Oakland, Kansas City. You know, Kansas City doesn't have receivers anymore. Yeah, because their receivers well, main, are stupid. Main, 
Yep, their main one's an idiot. Yep. Did you see, quick side note, just, well, we're getting off a lot of side notes, but that's okay. There was a radio, I, sh- I shared it on Twitter, there was a radio host that was doing a show about... Tyra that's my Kelly. temple guy, I saw that. That's my temple guy, Zach. Oh Zach. my gosh, that was hilarious. The caller's like, it's pretty much saying it was the kid's, the three-year-old's fault. Like, what? Yeah. Are you stupid? I saw that and thought that was one of the dumbest things. That's, that is beyond stupidity of a take. I'm honestly surprised that Zach didn't hang up on him. I'm glad he didn't and, like, put him in his place and then said, don't ever call Touché. me again. I guess that's also very true as well. Yeah. I mean, you could have easily just hung up on him and not. But, yeah, put him in a place. I guess that's a perfect way to put it, too. All right. We're really getting off topic here, though. So one more comment about the draft is just, it like, it started off so predictable. But then it's like, like, Greedy Williams was the top cornerback for a lot of people's mock drafts. I literally, I think I tweeted out twice that night. Like, what did he do? Like, I don't know. Like, was there something like a dust up that happened in the past year that we don't know about? Yeah. Because he was, I mean, we thought maybe he was going to be a top 10 pick maybe a month ago, two months ago. Right. And then then, he's the third from the SEC. Like, not even the first from the SEC. He's the third one picked. What did he go overall? It was like um, 50 something, right? 40 something? He was in the middle. He was like middle. Six. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember him being like middle of the um, middle of the second round. But then, I mean, going to the Giants, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for him. Or not Giants, excuse me. Browns. Browns, yeah. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing for him because, because once again, I mean, if you're going to go to a team inside the AFC North especially – there's really, I mean, other than AJ Green, there's really no receivers now that Antonio Brown's gone. The Ravens don't have any, never had. So, I, I think that's a perfect place for him to land. Now, saying that the Browns are going to win the Super Bowl, that's a little too soon for that. Yeah, let's let's pump the brakes. Yeah. All right, let's move on now to the other second round pick, and this was one that, I mean, we talked about a little bit extensively on the last show because I think. Maybe all three of us, and I'm including Eric in that discussion with, with Tristan Hill. You know, we kind of brought it up that we never really thought that he was this real dominant player while he was at UCF. Well, he did enough to get himself drafted in the second round by the Cowboys. Yeah, and it's funny that I sent this in our Slack channel, but it's funny that eight of the 11 draft picks were on defense. And it's a conference that's far from known for defense. And really not. I think that's that's the biggest. We talked about last time was Hill plays defense on a team whose offense is phenomenal. And when you play well on defense or somewhat well, it's hard when your offense is just killing it because everybody, when they talk about your team, focuses on Mackenzie Milton and all of the skill position players. And then it's, oh, well, the defense is kind of average, so we don't really need to focus on them because no one's really dominating. So... I think he kind of got lost in that, but he had a great combine, and I don't know. I feel like I was kind of bummed that he got picked by the Cowboys. It was like, just be like any other team besides Cowboys or the Patriots, and I'll feel good. Uh, tell me about it. As an Eagles fan, I hated seeing him go to the Cowboys. Let me follow you anywhere but down there wrecking, well, hopefully not wrecking my team. I mean, he'll be on TV but- all the time. We know that. I think Fox loves the friggin' NFC East. You know it. Whatever. 
That's how they make all their money. I just like that I'm. It's in the NFL now. I like know almost all of the players that are playing. You know, I know where they're from. I have like information on them. So when I watch them, I'm like, I'm not thinking, sitting there thinking, who are you? Like, where'd you come from? So uh-huh. like, I guess that's know. true. So that's. I think you still got some of those crazy guys from crazy schools oh, we never right, heard of. Yeah. But I, I think so. I think a popular discussion that has been going around in national media. And Hill fits that, fits the mold, but, I mean, he was one of the few that did get drafted, but there was, I think the number I saw was 49 um, non-seniors, I guess, because I can't think of the word off the top of my head right now, but that did not get drafted, even though they declared early. And so a lot of these guys, you know, they came out thinking that they might have been able to collect a paycheck. I mean, we're talking about 49 guys. They can't go back to school. Right, but I guess my response to that would be, we don't know what their situation is. I saw, uh, I don't remember who it was, but they're saying that some of these guys could be academically ineligible next year and they wouldn't play anyways. Some guys, they need the money. You, like You just never know what a person's situation is. And obviously it's better. I don't, I don't know. It's not great that they didn't get drafted, but at the same time, like you look at this is a very extreme case, but you look at like an Adam Thielen who didn't get drafted and now is one of the best receivers in the league. Like you just, just because you get drafted doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a a starter or see the field or, you know, being all pro or any of that stuff. So I I get that people are kind of saying that was a dumb decision, but at the same time, there's so many factors that go into a kid's decision. And I'm sure a lot of them are, you know, unfounded and not, they didn't educate themselves enough of what their situation looked like, or maybe they just thought that they were better than they actually were. But I think there's so many things that go into it that no one ever finds out that it's, it's not fair to make these assumptions that they're making the wrong decision. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, well, I'll take it back to the part where you said we don't know what they have basically going off the field because we do hear a lot of these cases where, okay, they do need the to go the financial route. But then at the same time, so what – I almost feel like that they should be similar to the NBA in a sense that, like, okay, if you don't get drafted, at least you can go back. Right. Or you can have – because I don't think actually that's the way it plays out. But, like, you can have – once you sign – you can sign the agent – you know, he can kind of tell you whether or not you are going to get drafted or not. Because I don't think – a lot of these kids, those 49 kids that I'm talking about, I don't think they got the right information. They probably thought that they were going to go in the third, fourth round, and then they're really sweating it out that last day because you can't get back on a – I mean, other than, you know, if some team wants to bring you in for a rookie minicamp or as an undrafted free agent, but even that's no guarantee, let's be real, and then you missed out on everything. So do you think when players start getting play or players start getting paid, do you think that there will be a rule saying that they can go back to college if they don't get drafted if they want? 
I think that makes sense. Because, like, what's the difference other than the agent? Then my other question, I guess, is why do... why? I mean, obviously you want to get a good agent and it's... I get some of the logistics of it, but why would you wait... Why wouldn't you wait until the draft, see if you get drafted or not, and then if you do, hire an agent from there? I have always wondered that, too, actually. Like, like be your be your own agent up right. until that point. And I'm sure there's, like, endorsements and there's logistical stuff at college too but i don't understand why that's not that actually that's actually that would make the most sense you would think and i don't yeah i don't know because obviously you want to be able to meet with your teams and make that that process smooth but like why wouldn't you but i think part of it is you know obviously the agents they have connections inside the nfl as opposed if you're just trying to do that thing on your own and i mean you can get i mean you can get you can get low-balled. They can hype, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the agent can basically tell you, like, all right, he's BSing you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the agent's been around the block a few times. But, no, I do agree with that argument that, like, hey, why not just go into the draft, don't get an agent, and then if you don't get drafted, all right, well, I'm still eligible to go back because I haven't, I haven't taken a dime from anybody yet. Right. Well, another thing is, like, think about if, if you're – say if you're a normal student, you don't play sports, and say that – you're you you're in business and you you decide that or you get you happen to if you graduate and you go or not even graduate if you're off and you get a job say a job offer from a company and you go work there you can still go back to school like the nfl is a job so basically the nfl is the same as that that company so why can't they go back why is that any different well, that's a freaking topic. We would take us four hours. That's just NCAA's greed. Right. It's just it's dumb. Uh, I, I and I love can't that argue they that. say, "Oh, we're trying to look out for the students." It's like, no, you're not. You're looking out for your pockets. Like they're making billions of dollars. You can't you can't say that unless you're 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 going even or you're losing money, which obviously they wouldn't do. But you can't say you're all about the players. I think the the smart sports fan knows that that's definitely not the case. Yeah. It's all about the greed. All right, let's bring it back. Let's let's talk because the two Memphis running backs, at least inside the conference, they went back to back and I think where they both ended up were kind of interesting teams, especially the case of Darrell Henderson going in the third round, which for a running back, you know, you usually can find a starter in the third round because it doesn't seem that you know, running backs are as valued as highly as some of these other positions. But to see Daryl Henderson to go to the Rams at number 70, which we know already has an elite running back there in Todd Gurley, I think that was, um, I don't want to say a head scratcher because uh, you, if you're a Sean McVay, you're obviously looking for playmakers any way you can. But is this a sign that, uh, I don't know, maybe Gurley's injury was a little bit more than what was made up of it? Because well, they obviously need another running back. I mean, because they got, I mean, but Henderson is nothing com- close to what Cunningham was for them last year. Do they still have C.J. Anderson? Or C.J. Anderson. Excuse, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know why I said Cunningham. That was no, two years. Uh, they, uh, yeah, I don't – well, the whole Gurley thing was so weird last year, so we're not even going to get into that. But that was just so weird. But 
I guess this pick was also yeah it was it was more of a mild version of a lot of the other picks you know head scratchers I mean there were they were good picks but some of them were you kind of just look wondered what what were they thinking again what did they see on film that they really decided they decided yep we really need so and so and this is another one now don't get me wrong if you have a backfield of Todd Gurley and Daryl Henderson I think you're set for the season and that's explosive right there right if you're like oh we're gonna run todd Gurley on first and second down and then oh by the way you're gonna have to stop henderson too when Gurley gets tired oh okay that's gonna be awful yeah uh it's another weapon like i said for mcveigh and mcveigh loves to have these and we saw it a lot last year you know he likes to use a lot of those little jet sweeps and things of that nature and i think he's gonna be able to use henderson you know you're gonna be able to line him up all over the place you can't really do that with Gurley. you know Gurley basically comes out of the backfield henderson's a guy that you can probably place all over the place and get a little gadgety with and do all kinds of weird stuff with same thing honestly with tony pollard going to the cowboys i think they're going to do the same thing almost use him as they were trying to use Tavon austin a couple years ago right you're gonna line up in the backfield you're gonna He's going to be everywhere. He's like, yeah, you're going to throw screens. He can run routes. Like, he can do everything. And that's a, that, yeah, that I'm interested. Again, he went to the Cowboys. So I'm like, why? Why do you have to go to the Cowboys like anybody mm-hmm. else? Mm-hmm. But yep. whatever, you know, I'm excited for him. Just make plays against every team but the Eagles, and he's all right. <laughs> exactly. All right, let's keep diving through it because we've obviously went off way too many times already on this show uh the next to be drafted in the fourth round actually the next pick right after tony pollard was houston cornerback isaiah johnson going to the raiders uh we talked a little bit about the raiders earlier uh, hmm. i i'm going to talk about i personally think the raiders came away with a solid draft i don't know how you feel about that yeah they did johnson's a project though he's a yeah, but in the fourth round, that's where you want a project. Well, yeah, right. It just, he reminds me. I said this last time. He reminds me of Howard Wilson, who left early as a, I think he was a redshirt sophomore, and it was one of those. He's a project. He's got the intent, or he's got the skills that you want in a cornerback. It's just you need to mold him into the player that you want him to be. And I don't know. I haven't heard of Howard Wilson do anything, but I also haven't been paying attention to. I don't know if he's on the Bengals or the Browns, whatever. But it's just one of those, like... One of those bad Ohio teams. Right. It's one of those... It's kind of frustrating when they're a project because you almost forget about them when they become a good player because it's like, oh, I'm not going to hear about them for two or three years. And then when they do come back, I'm like, who are you again? Remind me. I mean, that could be... We could be saying that about Rocky Sin because some think that about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could project. Yeah, I was going to say that, and especially corners. I think corner is one of those positions that you're seeing a lot more um, prospects. I think is the perfect word that you use there. All right, the next in line was Temple running back Ryquell Armstead, going in the fifth round, one fortieth overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which I thought was a little bit interesting because they, if I remember correctly, the only running back they had on the roster that of a big name is Leonard Fournette. And we know about Tom Coughlin kind of, let's be honest, putting Fournette on blast a couple times already. So for them to go Armstead in the fifth round, and I'm not trying to say that Armstead is going to go in there and take the job or anything like that, but I think Armstead is 
a guy that, like we've said earlier, uh, he he gets you first downs, and that's kind of similar to what Fournette does. He's always going to fall forward. He's going to you know you're always going to get Armstead's going to run hard and things of that nature. But what I guess strikes me if you're the Jaguars is like. Armstead really didn't show anything out of the backfield, and you don't have a guy like that right now because T.J. Yeldon's gone too. I was going to say, is T.J. Yeldon still there? But he's, yeah, he's not. Well, and the, I think the other thing is, doesn't Armstead have some injury issues? I'm, he's been banged up just about every year in college, at least right. once or twice. And like Leonard Fournette's pretty much the same way mm-hmm. with the style that they run. It's just, yeah. Well, no, they, they love they, they're both runners that try to run people over, which is fun to watch. But then it also means that they got know, those it's, injuries. Yeah. It's like it's like the the speed demon at wide receiver, like a Marquise Brown, because it's you know there's if you do certain things for so long, like things wear out quicker. So a guy as fast as Marquise Brown, it's like. It's you're not gonna have a Ferrari for forever. You know he, he's. He's gonna break down eventually. I mean, he already is. He's entering the draft banged up as as already. Yeah, the, for they're the, saying he might not even be ready until uh, the regular season. To be honest, they don't even know if he's gonna do anything in training camp. Right, and then if you're also like with Armstead and Fournette, it's if you are constantly beating up your body, like it's gonna break down eventually. Body's just not meant to do that for so long. Yeah. No arguments with that. I mean, you just and especially at, it's one thing when you're doing it in college. It's another thing when you get to the pro level and everybody's your size hits you just as hard. You, know, you can get away with that kind of stuff in co- like Armstead could do that in college, but uh, when he's got guys that are just as big as him every play, he's not going to get away with it. Right. All right. Next up, God, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to say the name without butchering. Amike Egbule. Did I do good? You did good. Damn, I like myself. Going in the sixth round, pick number 200 to the Chargers. He ends up being the third Houston player to be drafted, uh, tied for the most in the conference with Temple. Uh, The last guy from Temple we'll talk about a little bit more. But uh, you're our Houston guy. What do you think of the fit of him going to the Chargers? And does he have a career ahead of him in the NFL? Well, it's funny that it's three defensive Houston Cougars got picked. Yes, that's that's very funny considering. Uh, I mean, the last time we saw them, they were let up what seventy. Yeah, I it, it's just so weird. Like you, you have, to, you have okay. If you looked at a team, you oh, they had three players drafted on defense. Their defense must have been really good. No, especially they got a quarterback drafted, and Houston was the worst team in the country in pass defense or passing yards per game. It's, I just I don't know I don't understand how that works because you have three guys and one at each level you have a you have a defensive lineman you have a linebacker and you have a cornerback and Oliver's solid and then Isaiah Johnson and Egbule are projects so they're kind of the same as you they're projects they could be good but they need some molding first so I don't know I don't know what to say it just it <laughs> You know, it almost like frustrates me because it, you look at the talent that's coming into the draft, and these three guys get drafted, and you're like, well, wh- what the heck? Like, why wasn't that? Why weren't you guys doing better during 
college when it matters, you know? Your favorite defensive coordinator, that's why. I know, I know. It's just that obviously answers come up quick when you have something like that, but it's just, I don't know. It just doesn't. It is a head scratcher. Yeah. When you've had a a defense that's as bad as they were, and you get to, and I, I didn't even think about that until you said it, but the fact that, yeah, it's all three levels, and they couldn't stop anybody. Nope. All right, the next pick I think probably shocked maybe both of us because I didn't see this pick coming whatsoever, to be real. But with Tulane's cornerback Donnie Lewis selected in the seventh round. So, I I mean, I guess it is the seventh round, so a bunch of flyers are really taken. But going 222 to the Browns. But this is a guy we didn't talk about at all leading up to this whole draft process. Well, right, because uh, who was the guy before him? Uh, shoot, what's his name? I should know this. Who's the corner that was a stud two years oh, ago? Perry Nickerson. Perry Nickerson. Yeah. It was, it's one of those, like, you kind of forget after, when you have someone so good, and then you have to replace him, it's almost like the next guy struggles or no one really talks about him, and that's kind of how things went. But then also, like, they took they took Greedy Williams in the what do we say second round, so mm-hmm. it's just it uh, I don't know didn't they take another or they took a safety didn't they too? So they you took got, three defensive backs. You got me there if they did. Let me see. Yeah, they took a safety. Well, when uh, you're spending a boatload of money on just two wide receivers, right? You know, you're gonna have to um, you're gonna have to fill the other side of the ball with cheap labor, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, they ha- it's, it was weird because they already have Denzel Ward, so it's like they're fighting. That's against- so that was the now that you brought it up because I almost forgot that they had Denzel Ward. So Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, that's a pretty solid duo, young duo right. too. Especially if Greedy pans out, like yeah. that's a, the Browns actually might be legit. I can't believe I'm saying that. I ain't ready to call them Super Bowl champs like uh, Greedy is, but they're going to be all right this year. The NFL is so weird, though. It's like, well, here's so, it's funny that, I don't know, it's just, so in the NFL, home field advantage is like a big thing, which I don't understand how that's more of a, I I don't know, maybe I'm wrong here still, but I don't understand home field advantage in the NFL is more of a thing than it is in college. Because I've like never people, you're so true about that. I've never understood that too. You know, but it is people always say, "Oh, well, in the NFL it's a big thing, but in college it's not as much." I'm like, so you're telling me that guys who are granted they're still you know 21 to 30, 33, whatever, 20 to 33. You're telling me that those guys get more rattled than an 18 year old or a 19 or 20 year old like how that doesn't make any sense to me going into uh, you got to death valley or you know some of these stadiums that are known for to be really rocking and things like that like no, I, I i agree with that argument you're making right now which i've always nice. felt that college college travel matters way more than nfl i look at navy last year all that travel that's what the real reason why they got beat up so much last year can't fly over the whole freaking country and expect to be competitive right because these kids still have to go to school too let's be really and we always forget that part because of the football thing but they still got class nfl players like it's their job and maybe it's the you know they don't have anybody watching over them all the time but i feel like a lot of these guys are doing what they need to do and it's almost like that doesn't even matter i don't get it 
Yeah, that's that's an interesting topic that we could talk about sometime down the road, because I agree with that. It, it is kind of weird how because you would think like, OK, if you are going into the big house or things like that, like that seems more daunting to me than going into an NFL stadium. They're all the same size, basically. Uh, right. There's and, no. But the other thing, too, is people are, people are like, oh, well, the smaller schools get. That's different by that. If you go like, like if you're Mercer going into Alabama or even Mercer going to the Temple, who cares? You know what I mean? Like right. The, it's that's the talent one thing. Level. It has nothing to do with the, the stadium versus the NFL. This it's the talent level is fairly all similar this, all yeah. around. Exactly. So that's why I think that you know the other argument that we're trying to make here makes sense. So if you are like I said, Mercer playing against a big school, you're gonna be pissing your pants before that game starts let's be real right as opposed to when you're in the nfl you're like well i can match up with any of these guys on the other team yeah i don't get it yeah that that's that's a good that's a good debate there i like you joe sometimes you can bring up good stuff here sometimes sometimes emphasis on that all right let's talk the last two guys to get drafted before we talk about some of the undrafted guys because i think there's some names in there that caught both of our not uh, both of our eyes excuse me First one to get drafted was a guy that you and I both were a little bit surprised. Actually, I, can, I guess I could say about both of these guys in, that got drafted in the seventh round. Two guys that we thought would get combine invites. I'm not surprised they got drafted. I don't know if you can answer that in a second. But Cortez Broughton going to the Chargers and then my man from Temple, Michael Dogby, going to the Cardinals with the late seventh round pick too. I think these are two guys that we honestly, we thought they would get drafted, but there was no talk about them. I mean, because of the combine, let's face it. A lot of people just look at, see who's at that combine and just automatically assume that they're going to be drafted. Right. I thought we, I think you and I both thought they'd get drafted higher than they did, but then again, same here. I thought like, they would be fifth rounders. Maybe right, I didn't think which, they would be back half. They were literally both. If you think about it, back half of the last round, right? Which, I don't, is there a big difference between rounds five and seven? Not really, but I mean, it's that you're all at prove it stage in that point, right? And at that, at yeah, at, like we've been saying this whole podcast, the, the draft was kind of weird, anyways. So guys were in taken before people thought they should have, and so I don't know. People fluctuate obviously up and down, and just it's cool they got drafted. I thought. Broughton for sure would get drafted higher, but at the same time, like, what's going to be the difference between Egbule and these two guys, you know? Like, it's, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with those two. Yeah, obviously, I'm I'm really cheering for Dogby. I honestly thought he would go a lot higher just because he was he smashed a lot of numbers, like, for strength numbers that you haven't seen around the country. Man is strong as an ox. Right. I don't know. It's a lot Price. of work to cover all, all. I don't know. It like how many? How many? Let me ask you this: How many players do you think each team looks at before the draft? The NFL, you mean? Yeah. How many? Well, how many so players are they, they looking get, at? They get the thirty visits, I think. Right? I think that's the number. They get thirty visits, or is it twenty? I know it's. Uh, I know it's. I know it's a zero number. So it's either twenty or thirty. I think it's thirty. Okay. So they get all those official visits, and then obviously you got your you know your scouts are all around the country all season long. So how many? Uh, so like on my other podcast, we just had a guy on Emory Hunt, who's a big. Um, he does a lot of scouting throughout the country, and I mean he. 
if he can scout closest four or five hundred players, I think the NFL is doing the same thing. Right. And I think every team is doing that too. I'm not sure, you know. So yeah, maybe every now and then, you know, a couple of them will find a diamond in the rough in this back half here. Mm-hmm. But I think they all really, you know, like that's pick your poison at this point. Some strike gold and some don't. All right, but you kind of said it, so I'll, I'll repeat it here. I have the, the point of eight defensive players drafted out of the eleven guys taken from the American, three from Houston. Three from Temple. A little side note here that I was 28 players that were on the 2016 AAC championship team are now in the NFL for Temple. Wow. Yeah, that's solid. And this is a Temple program that can't keep a coach for a couple of years either. Well, that's, you know, why? Uh, well, yeah, because Power Five keeps calling with bigger money. But hopefully things like that will change now that the uh, the AAC is, I don't want to say leveled out the playing field with their new contract, but has a little bit more incentive to keep a coach around now. But now let's talk some of the uh, undrafted free agents. Not all of them are undrafted free agents. Some of them are just getting some um, tryouts at minicamp this weekend. But there's a couple names that me and Joe have talked quite a bit about this past year, year and a half, to whatever you want to say. And I guess I'll start it with the player that was invited to the draft that didn't, or excuse me, that was invited to the combine that didn't get drafted, and that being uh, Trevin Tate going to the Raiders. Does it surprise you that he didn't get drafted? Because I'm going to be 100% honest, I am not that surprised. No, I'm not. I think, I thought I saw he wasn't going to the Raiders, though. Hang on. Oh, really? I, I just saw it before we started recording, so let me... Oh, okay. I was going to say, I wrote these notes down late last night, so things could have changed since. Uh, yeah, he's going to the Browns. He decided to go to the Browns? Man, he, yeah. wants to win a, he wants to win a ring run away, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's... I don't know what else we can say about him. We kind of said our, how we feel about him, and he thinks he's... Thinks he's all the best. That. Yeah, he thinks he's all that, so now he gets a chance to prove it. And well, I don't know. We'll see. It's He's definitely been vocal, which good for him, but now it's it's one of those you you got to prove it. Show yep, put up the, or shut up. Exactly. All right, so I guess let me ask you this question because we don't really have to talk about every single one of these guys that thank, picked up. Thank you. I know we don't. Yeah. But so – Let's just go through the ones that we like most, all right? David all right, Pindell. Me. We're starting yeah. with him. He's our exactly. Boy. That's what I was going to say. We're going to start with David Pindell. Where'd he sign? I didn't see his name. He is going to Bucks Mining Camp. But hold on a second. Oh, They're bringing him there. He's now Jameis for sure. Oh well, well I guess I'm not gonna. I'm gonna break your heart a little bit. But he's going to try out as a wide receiver. Oh, that's fine. That, that's surprising. <laughs> That's not surprising to me whatsoever either. Oh, he's going to be on Mike Evans. Perfect. Yeah, he's going to replace Mike Evans, yeah. <laughs> He'll be the compliment to Mike Evans on the other side. <laughs> no, so, wow. yeah, they plan to use him as, like, a gadget player, obviously. I think – I think. Um, oh, my God, I have his last name, but I'm, I don't want to call him Tristan Hill. Taysom Hill. He. I think the way that the Saints use him, I think we're going to see a lot more teams try to get cute with things like that. 
I know the Ravens drafted Trace McSorley trying to do the same thing. Like, they want to do some creative stuff with him. I think you're going to see a lot more teams around the league trying to get cute and things like that. Is that the latest trend? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think it's something that maybe, I mean, I think. It's a new If you think about it, the, the Patriots kind of maybe started it. Because if you think about it, with Amendola and Edelman, they have two quarterbacks on the field, technically. Mm-hmm. So, and so they've always brought out some of those trick plays. Now, I think the Saints this past year took it to a new extreme, but I do think you're going to start seeing things like that. When you got these mobile quarterbacks, why not get them on the field? I mean, even perfect example in Baltimore, they would take out Flacco for a couple plays last year to get um, Jackson on the field to run the football. I think you're going to start seeing more of this dual quarterback things because why not? If you've got a guy who can move, take advantage of that athletic ability. So in that case of Pindell, I mean, he clearly shows that he can carry an entire offense by himself. So why not get him a handful of plays, get creative, and see what he can do? There you go. Especially with my man Bruce Arians, offensive genius, former Temple coach. Maybe he wants to get rid of Jameis Winston, too. Who knows? Jameis. Famous Jameis. Famous Jameis. Famous Jameis. I was about to say famous for getting himself in trouble. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to move on before I say something stupid about that. <laughs> about his other incident. Yeah, oh, well, let's not talk about Uber. Um, for me, one of my favorite stories of the undrafteds was for two reasons. One, Delvin Randall, my temple guy, but makes it 100 times better that he signed an undrafted contract with the Eagles. The Eagles. I love every second of that. Get to follow him even more. He's on my hometown team. And honestly, it's like one of those moves. If you're the Eagles, like it makes perfect sense. Find a guy who, because let's face it, I mean, he's not a Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins is a completely different kind of safety. But at the same time, I mean, you need to find some younger safety. So why not snatch up the guy in your backyard and see what he can do for you? Because that's a guy. That is the one guy that came out of this that I honestly thought would get drafted. I thought he would get drafted over Dogby, personally. Hmm. Didn't they just sign Sandejo, too? Who's that? My Eagles? Yeah, Sandejo from yeah. the Vikings? Yep. Yeah, mm. I don't know. It would be interesting. Cause I, I mean, he could be more... he's, he's could be a practice player guy, something like that. Yeah, that's all. true. That's well, true. Malcolm Jenkins has probably got another year or two in a tank, I would think. Probably, yeah. yeah. His mouth's going to keep running, too. Of course, I love that. <laughs> no complaints about that. <laughs> All right, I guess the we could talk to two wide receivers real quick. Or I guess it's technically three. See, I can like, Tyree McCants, what was he this past year, man? I feel like he lined up with tight end, wide receiver. Wide receiver, but he looks like a tight end. Okay, I guess so he classifies as a wide receiver as a tight end in the NFL. That's what I wasn't sure what to classify him as. Who knows? But anyway, so him going to the Rams, Snelson going to the Jags, gets to stay in his hometown. And then a guy we almost forget about sometimes, but he has a pretty solid career collegially. It would be Justin Hobbs going to the Chiefs. Well, Hobbs has that big body that I think teams yes, like. Yes, so exactly. Yeah, because we all know Tulsa can find him the ball. Well, Tulsa couldn't find a quarterback either. Well, that's, yeah. Tulsa well, might well, actually have a quarterback this year. We'll talk yeah. about that in the next couple weeks. I mean, it may not be Boomer, but Zach Smith from Baylor's coming in, and he was pretty solid at Baylor. And then speaking of Tulsa, they have the two of the top, 
offensive linemen in the conference, Chandler Miller and Tyler Bowling, both going to the Falcons for a tryout. Ooh. Okay. And that's and that's a, that's a team that needs some offensive line help. So maybe they keep. Well, it. they drafted two yeah, linemen that's true in, the too. First, in the first round. Yeah, Lindstrom and McGarry. Oh, then those poor kids will end up somewhere else then. Oh. Dang! So they have they have Alex Mack and Jake Matthews already, and they added Lindstrom and McGarry. Not saying they're going to be guaranteed stars, but holy crap! I mean, and we know Miller and Bowling for. I mean, that's what made Tulsa have any resemblance of an offense. Yeah, they could run the ball, that's for sure. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, So that was you know, it's because of those guys right there. Yep. And then I guess just to quickly mention the other was it, one, two, four guys that I saw got picked up. Uh, Curtis Atkins went to the Bengals. Uh, Mozzie Wilkins to the hometown Bucks, basically. Willie Wright went to the Browns, and who's the person I'm forgetting here? Oh, no, I said them all. Excuse me. I said them all. Did you? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Randall, Tate, Atkins, Selson, McCann. Yeah, yeah. Penda. I got them all. There we go. Boom. All the guys we want to talk about. Okay. Let's do this question. Let's end it on this note. Other than... Let's count out all the guys in the first four rounds because we most likely are going to see those names hopefully around for a couple of years. But if rounds five through all these undrafted guys, which one do you think has the best NFL career? Oh, geez. Uh, Pindell, because I want to keep talking about him forever. Never let the 20, 2018 UConn Huskies die. But who I, I think I think UConn really wants the 2018 team to die. <laughs> they want the defense to die. Exactly. Ah <laughs> oh, man, I who have who have the longest career or the best career? Did you say? I mean, I think they go hand in hand, huh? I don't know. What if you're What if you're really really good for five years versus a guy who's like average for fifteen? Is the oh, that's a good question. Is the guy who's really, really good for five years Hall of Fame worthy in those five years? Sure. Then that guy. Well, obviously that guy, but <laughs> what if he's like an all maybe not maybe he's not I don't know. You could answer the question. I don't wanna. I just wanna ask you questions about your question. You could have literally <laughs> let me let me look. Let me think. Uh, it's not gonna be Pindell. I hate to say that, but yeah, it's not gonna be. He's not. I mean, he's there for a trial. He's there to be a wide receiver trial. He might not even make the team. Let's be real. So rounds. Well, Armstead's probably gonna be hurt and out of the league in five years. Egbuley's a. John. I I hate I'm about to say this, but there I see too many similarities between Armstead and another Temple running back who didn't stick around long enough, Bernard Pierce. Mm. He's not the game breaker that that sticks around long enough. I'll go with I'll go with your boy Dogby. Interesting. He's he's underrated. I like how he plays. I don't know. I'm going to go with him. I just like him better than 
Him or Broughton? Just well, I, all right, I'm going Broughton. That, that's who I was going to go with, there to be honest. Go. I was yeah, going to go with Broughton. No one else really sticks out, and then I'll probably be wrong, but whatever. Yeah, what else is there? We're always wrong. Exactly. Nah, we're, we're right a lot, too, That which infuriates some people. We're, we're right more than we're wrong. People Delvin know. Randall will have a career in the NFL. That's all I'm going to say. Maybe not necessarily with the Eagles, but he'll have a career in the NFL. He'll stick around for a couple of years. And then I guess let's open it up for the, the rest. The best player out of this draft other than Ed Oliver. Oh, well, it's Ed Oliver. Don't even – don't even. Well, I'm giving – I'm opening up to the other five guys now too. Uh I like the idea of Tony Pollard's versatility. I feel like guys like him, just because they're not doing one thing all the time, they don't get worn down as much. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go with him just because. I'm gonna go. Doesn't do it with the Cowboys. Yeah, same here. But I have a feeling he's going to. I'm gonna go with his running mate. I feel like that's the easy thing to do. But I, I think there's a reason why the Rams brought him in. They're going to use that kid, and then maybe in two, three years, because I'm, I don't know, because Gurley just signed a fat contract, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But, I mean, let's be honest. We know how NFL contracts go. They don't ever last the life of them. So maybe we're talking about Henderson being the guy in a couple of years. That'd and I fun. And like I said, I think he is a real, real weapon for Sean McVay. I agree. His speed is fun. I mean, when you intriguing i mean you got you, i mean that offense just it, in my eyes looks better with henderson on it too because they didn't lose any pieces over the offseason if i remember right they have every one of those wide receivers coming back uh i believe you're right yeah and then you add you know you still have Gurley. i don't know what they if they've made any moves to the tight end position i'm not 100 percent sure there but like they are surrounding golf with weapons which is as they should Preach, and then do you? So this is the argument that I've I've had a lot with my friends, and this is I guess we'll end the show with this. But do you also notice the trend of, and the Browns are doing this right now too, but getting these young quarterbacks on their rookie deals and absolutely stacking that team as much as you can while you don't have to pay them? Because I think that's becoming the new thing in the NFL. Yeah, and how long will that last? It makes I like it. I like it because it makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Like if you're the case of the Jets, okay, you can turn around and pay Le'Veon a ton of money, or if you're the Rams, you can turn around and pay Gurley the big money. And let's face it, the better teams they have a solid running game too. But then if you're like what? Okay, if you're the team like the Cowboys, you have to be sweating a little bit because you have to pay your first round pick a couple years ago, Zeke. But then you also got to pay your first, or your quarterback. Who was I'm pretty sure were drafted the same year, and that's gonna damage the rest of the team. So I think the mold of people follow or people using the young quarterbacks going after while they can with that rookie deal, I think that is gonna be the new trend we're seeing. Because I mean, if you're the Seahawks right now, you've got no money to spend anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's why they were almost they were forced to draft DK Metcalf because they had to get a wide receiver. Well, because is Baldwin still playing? No, well, okay. yeah, that's the other thing that came out over the weekend, too. There's, that he's going to retire? There's talks about him retiring because of multiple injuries and whatnot. I mean, he barely played all of last year. I know that because I had him in fantasies and it drove me nuts. 
But, yeah, he barely played last year. He's a guy who's been battling injuries for years and years now. So they were almost forced to take Metcalf. And I feel I felt bad for him. I thought he was going to go in that first round just based on everything he did. But we went the last pick in the second, if I remember correctly. Yeah, just, fit, again, fits that trend of it being a weird draft. True. No arguments with that. I guess on that note, Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Underdog Podcast. We greatly appreciate all the love that we've gotten over the draft season. Uh, it, it's been fun, but now Joe and I will take our attention to the uh, 2019 season the rest of the way. The plan for the rest of the summer basically is going to be weekly. We're going to bring up team by teams. Hopefully have some insiders for each team. We're, we're going to work on that, similar to what the guys over at Conference USA podcast are doing. Uh, I think we decided that we're going to go from worst to first, right? Yep. All right, so we just did the UConn episode. Got it. <laughs> Jeez. UConn episode is done. It was about 20 seconds long, uh, if that. Nah, messing with you guys. We will do an actual UConn episode, I guess, starting next week. And like I said, we will go through just about every team in the conference leading up to the season. But on that note, Joe, anything else before I uh, send this one? No, sir. All right. On that case, make sure you follow me at Joe Serp. Follow Joe at Joe Broback. Of course, follow Underdog Dynasty if you're not already. Leave us reviews on... Apple Podcasts, if you haven't already, tell us how good we are. Tell us how bad we are. We don't care. The more you click, the more we make. And until next time, Joe, let's make a crazy prediction. Now. How many AAC players get drafted next year? 15. I was going to say 20. All on offense. That would be a sight to see.